When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a road show Tuesday here with Hale Varsity Radio. Cunningham's on the lake here just off of the interstate in Kearney. Our friends out here in Kearney, kind enough to have us out. And uh, Will Wilson back at our studios at ESPN Lincoln. Of course, our wonderful affiliates in central Nebraska, ESPN 1460, 1550, 102, 1027. Excited to uh, to be here. Was out in – see, and I got hammered a little bit last night on, on Twitter for, for saying out in western Nebraska, Will. I mean, I'm in central Nebraska, and, and south central Nebraska is where I stayed last night, the, the beautiful town of Arapahoe. The Shady Inn was there, and uh, what's even better than staying on a roadside motel that had just been redone, refurbished, is is find, finding a, a roadside motel that has a distillery mm. uh, that has uh, some bourbon and some whiskey, Yum. and uh, had a chance to have a drink with uh, with Mama Bear last night, Joe Mama. So <laughs> that was a good time. Uh, at a, uh, the, the the sad part about the trip was a funeral this morning for a loved one that had passed away in the spring. So I uh, did that. Now we're uh, just peering out uh, here from Cunningham's on the lake at, at the lake. It's gorgeous, a little breezy outside. Uh, so we are we are indoors here. But uh, any uh, friends of the show that are here in central Nebraska, come on by here till 6 at uh, Cunningham's on the lake we are loaded up today we'll spend some time with mitch sherman from the athletic he'll join us at 425 505 tonight jacob padilla from hale varsity get his take on how special things special teams are shaking out with nebraska and uh at uh, 525 uh, it's another tuesday with kaz we'll get some illinois preview a guy who faced coach bielema uh, a ton between Iowa and Nebraska. So what is going to be up the pig farmer's sleeve when it comes to the uh, week zero showdown with Nebraska numbers to get in four, six, six, three, seven, seven, six, four, six, six, three, seven, seven, six, eight hundred, eight, two, five, five, eight, six, five can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, rocking it. Uh, Willie on the radio. It's where you follow and find him on Twitter. Get email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Some more thoughts uh, from Andy Staples and the Athletic on uh, conference realignment. Some thoughts on this alliance. We'll dive into Big Ten betting odds. And uh, where are you at here? Your money, maybe your wife's money, whatever the case. Uh, I would take my wife's money and we'll, we'll throw the question. Uh, Ohio State or the field. It's not quite Tiger or the field. But we'll ask uh, if it's Ohio State or the field 
where you'd put your wager down. Some of the folks at the bar right now are drinking a frosty one, and I'm jealous. They're contemplating Ohio State or the field. Odd stay to take Ohio State. We'll dive in a little bit further on that. Uh, Trev Alberts, though, he was at the Country Club of Lincoln today for the Chamber of Commerce. And, and Will, I've been to a few of those Chamber of Commerce sit-downs before. This is uh, a while back, and I think the the one I went to, I went to, we went as a group with Hale Varsity, and I believe it was where was it man it, it was it was not at the country club of lincoln mm. okay <laughs> but it was downtown it might All have right. been in the, in the grand manse or something like that oh, does nice. that make sense willie yes so but but it was uh, it was really the first time bo was there to to speak actually no it was it was frosty coach frost was oh. there this is uh now going on four years ago but it was pretty cool to, to hang out and and, and listen a uh, big uh, shout out to charlie brogan from kfor for uh being there for that but Let's dive in a little bit uh, to some things Trev had to say. We'll, we'll address the following here uh, with, uh, with Trev Alberts and, and just some of the things he touched on, the sellout streak, uh, beer sales at Memorial Stadium, but conference realignment uh, and uh, what the future of college football holds. And let's run uh, the first uh, snippet here from Trev. There's been talk about an alliance with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the ACC. And so I think um, as, as we move forward and we look at how college athletics get structured, I think you will see some change in the governance structure of how college football is applied. So you're going to see a change. What is that change? And that change is that, that conferences have all the power the NCAA has now minimal power and that is kind of how the the conference powers that of, that be want it they are sick and tired of dealing with the NCAA that's not a new take but this is a new action and you've had a step forward with Oklahoma and Texas and the SEC now what is what's the reaction here what's the reaction by the the Pac-12 what's the reaction by the Big 10 and what's the reaction uh, going to happen? What will that reaction be uh, by the ACC? Uh, it sounds like uh, those three entities are getting together for, for a scheduling alliance. That's the alliance Trev talks about and hints at nothing specific. Not only, okay, is that reaction going to be a reality, but when? <laughs> when does that reaction happen by the three other power five leagues and is there any love out there for the the, uh, the remainder we talked to jim walden yesterday he's hoping that the uh, the remaining eight of the big 12 doing all sorts of numbers that don't that aren't actually accurate right 12 and eight and <laughs> he hopes that they're absorbed by the pac 12 we'll see if that happens more from trev alberts here on on the ncaa and and that loss of power I think you'll see some of that power and that structure being shifted from the NCAA and perhaps at the conference level. Our conference commissioners and those alliances will be very, very important as we sit at the table and try to make sure that we have a governance structure that's compatible with the mission and values uh, that schools like ours and the Big Ten hold dear. Mission and values are extremely important but the 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 main takeaway is what uh the the last commissioner 
of the Big Ten has done. And, and here, is your, here is your number. And again, great work by Andy Staples here. It's the Four Million Club. The Four Million Club is a group of football games that draw more than four million viewers. That perks up TV executives. That perks up TV executives and advertising specialties. Uh, you have this breakdown between 2015 and 2019. And when it comes to, to games, 58 games between either independent or teams from different conferences, you had 193 single-game telecasts broke down. Okay, and, and you have uh, 55 only SEC, 49 only Big Ten, 13 only ACC, 12 only Big 12, and then you had five Pac-12 only games. You had one AAC, and we'll remember this game well. That was the 2017 showdown between South Florida and, and Central Florida, Coach Frost and McKenzie Milton. And when it comes to teams that have had the most appearances with 4 million viewers or more, your top two uh, dogs in that are Bama at 35 games, Ohio State at 31, Michigan in at 26. Wow. So with the, yeah, with the scheduling alliance, uh, you're going to be able to counter what the SEC has done and, and added with Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to bring their own 4 million plus 5 million, 7 million viewers for that uh, Texas Oklahoma game, but you're going to add an extra conference game for better matchups if you're the SEC. That's likely. You're going to have uh, more frequent matchups between Auburn and Florida, Bama and Florida. Bama's been treated with kid gloves, quite frankly, except for last year with their crossover. Rarely do they play Florida, rarely do they play Georgia, and their permanent crossover has always been Tennessee. Phil Fulmer still can't drive to the state of Alabama. What Jim Delaney did, though, is he created an environment that put his league's premium brands together. You may complain about, how Nebraska's hooking up with Ohio State again. Well, that's a premium brand matchup. And more times than not, it has been the game of the week on ESPN or ABC or Fox. All right. Premium matchups, draw the eyeballs, draw the TV dollars. And it's your job to look good and competitive in those games. But Jim Delaney stopped uh, short of, of too long a term deal. Uh, his deal was only six years. The last TV deal he negotiated, which means the Big Ten will be up to the plate early and could make a ton of money off of NBC or CBS because CBS is not going to have what they once had with that 2.30 kickoff and always airing Alabama. Their SEC deals going away in the form of ESPN. Yep. So up to the plate will step uh, somebody like CBS and NBC to grab more Big Ten inventory, more Pac-12 versus Big Ten inventory or Big Ten versus ACC. They want to see Oregon, Penn State. They want to see Wisconsin, SC, Clemson, Michigan, Virginia Tech, Nebraska, Ohio State, UCLA. You can mix and match, Will, all the all the, the, the games and the matchups you want. A lot of them have been going on anyway in, in the non-conference. So this is, this is the response uh, with this scheduling alliance. We'll see what Notre Dame does. But it, it's just incredible <laughs> yeah. the number of times Alabama has commanded 4 million viewers or more 
Uh, it's incredible. Only uh, two members of the Big 12 have hit that number uh, a couple of different times, not named Oklahoma, not named uh, Texas. That's yeah. the 2015 Baylor-Oklahoma State game and the 2015 Baylor-TCU game. Both those squads were 11-win teams that ended up getting aced out by Ohio State for that fourth playoff spot. The SEC's made their move. Now everyone else gonna ref- will formulate that response, uh, and, and the best uh, response will land each league's TV inventory in that 4 million viewership club. And uh, you've got some smart guys working at the Big Ten Network and all around. And, and listen, uh, you're going to have three conferences working in unity, and uh, they'll be able to, to scave off just everything power-wise going to the SEC because of this Texas-Oklahoma move. Yeah, Smitty, one of the best parts, you know, back to playing NCAA football on the PS2 was <laughs> you could you could play, you could put Nebraska against, you know, Florida. And, you know, that's, what's, that's what we want to see, right? We want to see games outside of the norm. We want to see those. And that's mm-hmm. what I, w- I would love to see the stats on if any non-con games made the 4 million club. It's been a while, but it's mainly been those in-conference rivalries. I mean, it's been it's been Michigan, Ohio State. It's been Alabama, Auburn. It's been LSU, Florida. It's been those type of matchups. Gotcha. And it makes sense, but you know, yeah. it gives you an opportunity for sure. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll dive in a little bit further here with Mitch Sherman. Let's get a little bit more from Trev Alberts. Uh, before we hit to break and uh, this is just kind of fascinating where uh, things are at and uh, we'll hear from Trev here uh, when it comes to uh, the changes not all being bad we kind of outlined some of those here here's Trev Alberts there's going to be some change there's going to be a, a, a major shift I think in intercollegiate athletics it doesn't mean that it's all bad it doesn't mean that it's bad for Nebraska. In fact, some of the early things that I've seen, I think, are, are very good for us. I think it's an opportunity for us uh, to continue being in leaders that we really care about. Yeah. What do you do with the opportunity? Do you get off the schneid and start winning ball games, start competing in some of those ball games? And, you know, you're going to draw eyeballs as Nebraska, but uh, you need to be more competitive on the field to continue to draw those eyeballs. Let's talk sellout streak real quick. Trev Alberts gave an update today at the chamber. When it comes to the sellout streak, he believes that 375 will happen uh, in the opener against Fordham. That's less than a month away. He, uh, Trev didn't share just how far Nebraska has to go to continue their sellout streak, but uh, it's trending in a good place. There's a couple of games that are still up in the air right now. Uh, and we'll see. He's confident that things will, will go the, the right way. Things will be sold out. And uh, there's still uh, still no official sellout for the, the Fordham game, but it's, it's going the right way. Yeah, he likes how things are, are taking shape. When it comes to beer at Memorial Stadium, uh, Trev was pretty emphatic just because beer was sold at a Garth Brooks show doesn't mean it'll be coming to a game day Saturday anytime soon. He said there's a, a lot of good things to learn from with 90,000 people and their Herculean effort. Uh, there were some areas uh, that I think we learned, quoting Alberts. I don't think we had any major issues, which is really good. I want to be clear that the Garth Brooks concert doesn't have 
any direct connection either way to our football program and how we handle potential sales down the road. And hypothetically speaking, this from Alberts, if Nebraska does want to go the beer route at Memorial Stadium, there's going to need to be some infrastructure put in to accommodate beer sales on Saturdays. That's so true. You saw some footage, some still pics of folks in line trying to get beer, and it wasn't real convenient because it's not really been done. You can go get your your Pepsi products. You can get your Red Fairberry brand hot dog, get your slice of vowels. You can do the runs of thing, and those a lot of times are brought around to you. But uh, when it comes to getting alcohol, it was kind of a mess for some, honestly. So you'll need to put in uh, some pouring stations if and when that day happens. Here at uh, Cunningham, Sonda Lake here in Cardi. Hale Varsity continues. Mitch Sherman's next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Bar City Radio Roadshow Tuesday in Kearney here at Cunningham's on the Lake, just off the interstate. Just a gorgeous uh, Tuesday afternoon. Great to be out here in central Nebraska. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson, plenty of big red uh, thoughts on our mind. Uh, Jacob Padilla, Rick Kaczynski here next hour. We welcome in with the athletic Mitch Sherman joins us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you have me okay? How are you? I'm having a pretty good day. Sounds like you're having a, a good day. Last time I was out there, it was in June for the uh, Big Red Blitz. So uh, hope you're um, hope you're getting some of that good food and carny that I had that day. You know, I, I have uh, eyed uh, several things, Mitch, to order. I have not narrowed it down, but yeah, there are plenty of options for sure, man. And this is great. This is a lot of fun and open air it's outdoors without without being outdoors so it's pretty good so a lot of things to dive into and and i want to get into this scheduling alliance uh, potential mitch and what's what's a roadblock what's a roadblock that could happen could screw this up in your opinion uh moving forward with the big 10 the pac-12 and the acc well you know greg sankey the sec commissioner has said or said today, I believe I read that there are no plans for the SEC to make another move, that this Texas and Oklahoma situation is the only thing that was on their radar. And, you know, I, I, I believe, I guess I believe that in the moment, but um, you know full well that Sankey wasn't, uh, you know, giving the, giving hints at this one uh, in, in advance of the news getting out. So it's impossible to say that, uh, you know, he's being truthful there about what the SEC is doing. The SEC could blow the whole thing up. If they want to start going after Clemson or Ohio State or Michigan or uh, USC or whomever, um, you know, they, they kind of have the, uh, they have the, uh, uh, you know, the ball is in their court right now. They made the first move in this next round of conference realignment, and there's been no other conference that's, that's yet done anything concrete. So they've shown the ability to be able to, to act as a group and make things happen. If they're ready to stand pat, then 
I don't know that. I mean, there are certainly roadblocks as far as like how the TV networks are going to factor into it. Um, the money, of course, drives the whole thing, and we'll have to see how that shakes out. If it's not financially beneficial for the power the power schools in these conferences to form that kind of an alliance, then you know I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Um, just for the sake of st- stability, I mean, if you're um, if you're uh, Michigan State or um, Cal or Syracuse, then you know perhaps you want to do it because of stability, so you don't get left out in the cold. But uh, you know, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, you know, they, they're going to have to get something financially out of this. So there's a lot of potential roadblocks, but the first one I'd look at is the SEC and say that's kind of the monster in the room right now, and it doesn't matter what Greg Sankey says. If there's discussions going on in, among these other power conferences – uh, he's not going to be content to stand pat for long. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. And, you know, the response is, and I think Andy Staples did a wonderful job with this, Mitch, kind of detailing, if you put this alliance together, it's your way to counter all of those rivalry matchups that the SEC already has, and now they add potentially a ninth conference game, and they get more into that 4 million viewer club setup that, that is going to drive TV mm-hmm. and, and make people happy uh, when it comes to handing out money to schools. But th- there's so much possibility. While you're not going to have a, this, have the storied rivalry beyond an Ohio State, Michigan in the Big Ten. You've got good matchups year in and year out. Iowa, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Penn State, Ohio State. You've got some really good ball games, but you've also got uh, Florida, Georgia, you know, the cocktail party that goes on. You have SC, UCLA. The, the Big Ten's been really good and aggressive over the years at scheduling uh, good non-conference opponents with the Pac-12 and uh, in, in a lot of instances, Notre Dame. So it's not that far off of what's been going on with more Pac-12 flavor, but you bring in some of the ACC opportunity, that could turn some heads when it comes to network executives, couldn't it? If you're looking at a Miami matchup against an Ohio State or mm-hmm. even Virginia Tech, Nebraska, I mean, if you, if you go and zoom out and have to pick with two other Power 5 leagues, if you're the Big Ten, that'd be a pretty good counter, wouldn't it, to secure another big payday? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't want to see the door closed for the schools in those three conferences that are talking about an alliance. The door closed um, for them to be able to play a Tennessee or or an Auburn or an Alabama out of conference. I mean, I don't think this thing should get to the point where there are like two leagues in college football or two divisions in college football, and they don't cross-pollinate at all until bowl season or, or, or you know, at all, period, if, if, if they can't, uh, you know, if they're, if they're entirely at odds and there's one with one, you know, major network and one with another. I mean, it seems like uh, ESPN is going to be all in on the SEC and, and, you know, we'll see where it goes with the, with the other, other leagues. Obviously, ESPN has a huge interest in the ACC also um, and in the Big Ten right now. Um, but it seems that Fox is moving in the direction of, of 
you know, trying to uh, to lock down even more in the Big Ten. So I look, I mean, uh, Andy, I, and I'd recommend that people go consume Andy's content. You know, he's put way more mm-hmm. thought into this than I have. Um, I've been absorbed in in Nebraska's preseason camp, and you know, I've tried to stay up with this um, when I can. But he does awesome work on his podcast, and and you know, in the stories that he writes for the Athletic. Um, I think you know my 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 last takeaway, or you know the, the the thing that I'll leave you with on this is that all of these discussions and all the the, the limited movement that has been announced so far, um, I continue to think that it's it's the tip of the iceberg, and that when we get a decade down the road, it's going to look a lot different than we can even imagine right now, sitting here as this stuff gets started. Mitch, we'll go to Nebraska football and fall camp eleven days away. Last week, we, we touched on the, the tight ends and, and their health as mm-hmm. uh, we get closer to kickoff. You know, what are, what are some questions you still have? Do you have a, a decent feel? And I know we'll hear from Lubick tomorrow. Uh, do you expect the, the curtain to be kind of pulled back on, on maybe a, a depth chart or the kind of the timeline shrinking to, to make a call on a top running back, on a, on a backup to Adrian? Who's playing opposite Cam Taylor Britt? What are some questions you still have? Yeah, those are all questions, and, and I don't think we'll get an answer. Maybe on Monday. <laughs> sounds so Frost. enthused. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe on Monday from Scott Frost um, when he has his press conference to start a game week. Maybe a depth chart. Uh, maybe he'll answer some of that stuff. I kind of think no. Um, it, it, you know, it could go either way, but and if he does answer it, I think he'll still be vague on a few things. They really don't want to give anything away. I mean, this is this is a unique situation where you're going into a game against a conference, not just a conference, but a division opponent in the opener. It's moved up a week. It's week zero. Everything's accelerated. The importance is 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 so magnified, and, and you're going against a staff that's in their first year. So Nebraska knows very little about what to expect from the Illini. They're not just going to offer things about the Huskers that Illinois doesn't know right now. And in, in whatever way they can keep Illinois in the dark, I think they're going to do it. It's some of its gamesmanship. I mean, it doesn't matter who's kicking off for Nebraska, but I don't necessarily think they're going to reveal that either. It's, it's just um, keep them guessing on every possible thing. That's a, that's a strategy that is somewhat common at this time of year in college football, and I think it's in line with the way that that um, you know Frost runs his program. He doesn't he doesn't give out information about injuries that aren't season ending, and and he's generally not too forthcoming with the depth chart. So uh, that that to me um, is is the way they're going to go here over the next week. Um, you know I feel like I have a pretty good sense um, just based on the conversations that we've had and the very limited amount of time we've been able to see practice. So what's going to happen at, at pretty much all of those spots? I think they've been decided. I think Nebraska has a depth chart and. and um, you know, we'll all get to find out exactly what that is on on August 28th. Mitch, who's your guy right now? Who do you feel good about just through your, either your sources, what you're hearing, or even some some time with coaches? You know, who's who's going to be that ringleader that gets after a quarterback? That's something that's been pretty constant okay. with Coach Chenander. Uh, when he talks about it, and we we know some of the names, but I guess in in your opinion, what what what's holding a guy like Ty Robinson, uh, like Caleb Tanner, a Garrett Nelson, some of some of your some of your candidates here to be that that pressure guy? What what's holding those guys back? What has held them back here in 
and what can they step forward and, and do this season? Well, they've just they've just not fully developed in the program up until this point. I mean, I think they've all come come a ways this season. You know, through the off season, you see Garrett Nelson, and he's huge. You know, he's and not in a bad way, but like in a, you know, just big giant shoulders and and really looks to be in good shape and and you know looks like a truly looks like a defensive end in like the old days in Nebraska football. Um, but you know, he still plays that outside linebacker spot. But Nebraska is going to be in a four man front quite a bit. Uh, this year, I think, based on both of the depth and experience they have at defensive end and on the interior up front, and and you know some of the guys who they can play interchangeably at the outside linebacker spots. And I mean JoJo Doman, um, and you know in that position, that nickel spot, you know he he fades back, but um, the rest of those guys, and you mentioned Tanner and and, and Nelson, I think Phil Darius Payne fits into that mix. Um, Blaze Gunnerson, if if he can be healthy and, and get on the field, uh, they they like what they can do from a pass rushing standpoint when they bring an outside linebacker up to the line of scrimmage as kind of a fourth down lineman, or even playing, you know, maybe Jordan Riley and Damian Daniels together, or or, or Robinson and, and Daniels, or Robinson and Riley together on the interior with a couple of defensive ends. You can move Robinson or even Riley to the outside as, as, a, as a defensive end. Uh, there's a lot of options that they have up front. And, and I don't know. I don't have a good sense right now if you said who's going to lead this team in sacks. I mean, it could be Feldarius Payne as, as like a, uh, primarily a third-down pass rusher. Maybe he comes in and gets eight sacks in, in, in that role this year. Um, they don't have, what they don't have is, is you know, that first-round draft pick defensive end, the classic um, great pass rusher. They haven't been able to recruit that guy. They've had to try to develop those players. I think Robinson, Ty Robinson, has the potential to be um, uh, for sure. I mean, he is going to be an NFL player, but 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 a, but a dominant guy um, in getting after the quarterback. But it's a little bit more non-traditional because he plays inside. So does, is that enough for him to be able to lead this team in sacks? Um, I don't know. Probably not. That's that pressure is probably going to have to come from the outside if you're going to get you know up close to double digits, but. Um, they have a number of guys, and, and that's probably what it's going to have to be. I mean, and if you get four or five guys who are are up around six to, to eight, then you know that's as good as probably or, or maybe better than having one who, who has you know, 12, 13. Mitch Sherman's with us. Mitch, thanks for jumping on with us today, bud. I'll let you know how the food is. Okay, sounds good. Safe travels back. ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman here, Hale Varsity Radio on the road. Chris Schmidt and Will Wilson back at our studios at ESPN Lincoln. Big thanks to uh, Doug Duda and the crew at ESPN Superstation 14. Uh, 601550 Carney Hastings Grand Island uh, FM uh, 92.1927 for having us out here today and uh, great stuff from Mitch Sherman some conference realignment thoughts and some stuff on Nebraska and and I think he hit on something really important there will with you know what's what's likely here with Nebraska when it comes to pass rush is it going to be four to five guys that kind of conglomerate anywhere between six and eight sacks? Do you have multiple guys? Do you, do you go throwback to 09 where you've got Crick with 11 and Sue with 14 and a half? That'd be, that would be incredible for this Nebraska defense. Uh, back in the day, you'd have uh, Wistrom and Peter that would combine for a ton. Uh, you had uh, 
Travis Hill and Trev Alberts, uh, even further back off the edge, screaming after quarterbacks. Uh, Christian Peter was a good guy in the middle there with seven and a half, eight sacks his, uh, his junior year. So if you can get one of those interior dudes to have, I don't know, you know, five and a half, six, uh, you know, one of the Davis twins had eight back in 2019. You can collapse the interior of that pocket, move the quarterback off his spot. That's big time. And and I also think Mitch is right on the money with with Payne kind of being your third down specialist, a la Eric Martin a few years back, coming off the edge, getting seven, eight. And that was an example, you know, the year before Andy Gregory, where Nebraska had to go to work. We'll talk with Coach Kaz coming up here in about 30 minutes, where Nebraska put some weight on an outside backer and uh, – Emart just went caveman with some uh, some bull rush uh, off the off the edge, but no, I think Ty Robinson's a guy that that can take a a step as uh, a, a, he's already a money run stopper, but I think he can get after the quarterback. He's acknowledged that he wants to get pressure on the interior, and I think he could be nice. Still, he's shown flashes, absolutely to to get after the quarterback in his career, and I think he can he can do that again and. If you've got the size and athleticism and guys that have really kind of bought into to being better with their body in in in, in Daniels and Riley, man, it, it's impressive what Zach Duvall's done. They've cut bad weight and they've thinned down, but they're still 330 and 320 respectively. So you have to, you have those two guys take care of the uh, the A, B, and C gap or the A and B gap and. You get some speed off the edge, and there you go. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to get in. So let's go to quarterbacking, Will. And if you had to put money down, who, who gets it right at quarterback first? Is it Michigan or is it Nebraska? And – I'm not saying Nebraska's gotten quarterback wrong, but are you going to get more of a freshman year supporting cast for Adrian? Because you've seen what he can do when he's got a thousand yard rusher, a thousand yard receiver, and another 800 yard receiver. Think of that that conglomeration of talent around him on top of the offensive line. How well it performed for for Adrian and Nebraska as they, you know, went four and two in their final six to have some momentum. <laughs> uh, Michigan right now has been pretty good when it comes to taking care of the football at quarterback. I think their interception to touchdown ratio is is well above two to one. And uh, ESPN did a nice feature here on you know the, the the one thing that's holding Michigan back. It's not just quarterback, but that was supposed to be kind of your game changer when Harbaugh went to Michigan. Uh, he was great with Kaepernick when Cap took San Fran to the Super Bowl. Prior to that, you, you know what happened with Andrew Luck and, and Stanford. And, and Harbaugh had a great reputation as a guy that can find a quarterback and, and put him into his system that's smash mouth and tight end heavy. And what's happened with, uh, with Michigan? Well, they, they, they took a misstep, quite honestly. And, and listen, Jake. Rudock was a good quarterback for them. They won nine or ten games with Rudock. But clearly what he recruited wasn't ready to come in as a freshman or a redshirt freshman seven years ago. So he went the quick route 
and got a grad transfer, and that worked out. And Michigan has lost quarterbacks in droves. And I think about McCaffrey, Dylan McCaffrey, Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is not playing ball for his dad. Yep. But Dylan was a high-level guy that stuck it out four years and, and could never just win the job. They went and got Milton, kind of a dual-threat guy, and Milton was – see ya. He, he left last year. They went and gotten Matt Weiss from Baltimore uh, to come in and, and, and do the quarterback thing. But I think that's going to be kind of your, your storyline here, midpoint of the season for Nebraska – and that Michigan game, what quarterback can thrive? And Michigan's going to have some dudes off the edge. They're going to have a really good defense. It ain't going to be an easy ball game for Nebraska. Michigan's been similar with not having this 1,000-yard running back or this dynamic receiver. It's not, not the Michigan you or I grew up watching 15, 16 years ago where they had a Braylon Edwards or a Bianca Batuka running for a G behind a great offensive line. So Nebraska and, and Michigan – very similar with uh, with their offenses. Michigan's offense has been a little bit better, and Michigan's record's been pretty pretty much way better than Nebraska's seven, eight, nine wins for for Harbaugh. But he's feeling it, and he's feeling it because he's not had that guy come pop for him at quarterback. And and Scott Frost in year four is stuck with his guy. Obviously, some bumps in the road a year ago for Adrian, but he's reclaimed that starting spot. He's healthy. He's uh, he's looking better, and, and he's got some help around him uh, at, at a high level for the first time in, in a long time. But that's the storyline I'm watching. And listen, the Big Ten from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, you know Purdue's going to sling the football around. You know, what's Brandon Peters all about in his 37th season at Illinois? <laughs> five-star quarterback that started at Michigan. What is Ohio State going to do? Are they going to reload with another first-round talent? Yeah, the talent's there. Is he going to be as good as advertised? Probably. And and then what's Iowa got with their kid that's now going into a, a another year as a starter that, that caught fire and they went six and you know six and zero oh down the stretch after two tough ball games. Uh, Northwestern's named their starter, and, and he's a, a transfer. That uh, it's really either feast or famine with with Northwestern. But all of these teams I've mentioned, Nebraska included, along with Michigan. Michigan's quarterbacks have never lost them a ball game, not real often. But the problem is they've not been dynamic enough to go win them a ball game. And, and that's been a little bit of a problem with Adrian as he's tried to do too much at times. And you know what? He's doing what he can for his team to try and win. Uh, I think Adrian can be absolutely dynamic. We've seen that. And that'll be a monster difference maker. Uh, for Nebraska football, getting Adrian to play at a high, high level that he's shown to be able to do before with help around him. He can be that difference maker, be that that dynamic playmaker that, that curbs the turnovers and, and doesn't lose you the game. It's not always and solely on the quarterback, but that's been your, your missing component for about everyone that's tried to challenge Ohio State. We'll wind down our one here out at Cunningham's on the Lake Carney Roadshow. It's a Tuesday with Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow out in central Nebraska. Great folks in Carney have it as here at uh, Cunningham's by the lake. 
just off the interstate. Some folks are bellied up, a cold one in hand, and a little bit of a breeze out on the deck blowing through. Some of the umbrellas are up here at Cunningham's. And uh, a wonderful wall of TVs. Right now, there's somebody trying to do a Will Wilson crossover, running three-point shot that just got drilled. Summer League ball at its finest. Will, your crossover is legendary, but I think your ability to spot up and shoot in the corner is, well, you're just full of daggers, man. That's that's the rumor on your, your ability come hardwood time yeah i I don't know it it all depends right hey speaking of which that that summer league game i think delano's played in that right now yes yep there was a uh there was a pretty uh, he got a he got a sweet little deal a 2.5 million dollar contract good for for banton Uh, roby got his uh his degree and i think somebody's going to look at roby and either okc is going to do a wonderful job of long-terming him or uh, he'll find another home. So uh, did you shed a tear for Tim Tebow today as the Jacksonville Jaguars releasing the 07 Heisman winner as part of their first round roster cuts? Tebow posting a message on Twitter shortly after his release in which he thanked the Jags for giving him a chance. Tebow had been out for, what, 09, 2010 with Denver. Yeah, thankful. He's thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunity, the setbacks. I never wanted to make decisions out of fear of failure, and I'm grateful for the chance I have had to pursue a dream. I know he's been playing that H back, so I wonder how Urban handled that. Yeah, I'm because sure. they go back a thousand years. Yeah, difference maker at quarterback for Urban, two-time national champ for Urban. Now he's his boss. And it's a 53-man roster, and you're asking 33-year-old Timmy to uh, to go in motion and then crack down and seal a defensive end. Now, I saw some some Twitter footage last night of Tebow blocking. Wasn't awful. He wasn't lighting anybody up, but he wasn't awful. But clearly, he doesn't look as, as agile, and Father Time is undefeated. That's kind of my takeaway. And uh, meanwhile, you had uh, Tebow earning a paycheck, and <laughs> he, he's too good a player to not roll the dice on for a roster spot that you can't you can't protect him uh, and keep him on a roster. And this is Urban Meyer's comment. This, we knew this was an uphill battle from for, for Tim. Players loved him, locker room loved him, but it was the right thing. He's not not there to make a squad. 16 snaps targeted only once. And uh, he was the only tight end that, that did not play on special teams. You want to uh, you want to make a squad. You want to make the 53-man roster your, uh, your special teams. We will dive into plenty of special teams with Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. He has a nice write-up here on Noah Pola Gates, uh, his indoctrination to special teams, and also that, uh, that part of the game, that phase. When it comes to punt return and kick return, who are some of the candidates? What can Nebraska get field position-wise out of that? It's been a long time since DPE or Kenny Bell or even Spielman set you up uh, near midfield on a kickoff or a punt return. What an awful. Alante Brown was okay. We'll uh, dive in. 
Jacob Badilla next hour two here from Cunningham's on the lake. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Get it. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Cunningham's on the Lake. Here just off the interstate in Kearney. Folks are uh, rolling on in for dinner time. And some phenomenal beef tips, some legendary wings, and oh yes, the cold, cold beer that uh, is behind the bar. Uh, smiling when I say that is Will Wilson back at our ESPN Lincoln Studios. M- uh, many thanks to Doug Duda, the crew at uh, ESPN Superstation, 1460, 1550, Cardi Hastings, Grand Island, 92-1, for putting this together. And uh, maybe we will have a Duda sighting. We have a Jacob Padilla sighting right now, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Follow Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, what's good? How's your Tuesday, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. Just watching some summer league basketball last day. Um, watching Doyle Banton right now play against Marcus Zekorowski. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's quite a matchup. And and I've got uh, some some Banton questions for you. And I know that the the two year deal he just signed. Jacob, what's your outlook here for Banton uh, since the draft? I mean, and and that's that's like a huge honor for for. Delano uh, with Toronto making him the first Canadian player they've drafted. All that said, we know about the upside with Banton and his physical gifts and his incredible athleticism. Talk to me about role with Toronto here uh, as far as, you know, what he can do and maybe sooner rather than later helping, helping the big club. Um, Has he cut down on, on that, uh, that development time, in your opinion, if, if you're a Raptors coach looking at him and saying, all right, he needs some some seasoning, or has he shown enough in summer league to maybe get some time with the big club? Nah, I, I think it's more of a long-term play here with him. Um, yeah. it, it is a, a great sign for him that he did get that, that full um, NBA contract. Um, what I was told, they kind of promised him going into the draft, so that was part of his decision to stay in, I believe. Um, and they, they took him and David Johnson back-to-back picks there at 46 and 47. And uh, Banton got the uh, the NBA contract, and uh, Johnson got the, the, the two-way contract. So um, that's a good sign for, for him and how they view him. Uh, looking today, um, they're putting the ball in his hands and letting him play as the point guard. Uh, Malachi Flynn uh, is not playing today, who's their second-year point guard at a um, San Diego State. And uh, he's kind of been tearing up a little bit, been uh, the leader for that team. But with him not playing, they're putting the ball in his hands and letting him run the show. And um, it's kind of he's, – he's made some nice plays, uh, some, a couple others not so nice. It's just going to kind of be a growing experience with him. He has not hit a three in the summer league yet, um, I believe. So that that's going to continue to be, I think, the ultimate thing that he's got to work on, that he's got to get ironed out. Um, while everything else kind of polishes up. But they, they've got uh, – I, I would not expect to see him in the rotation early on. I, I'd expect him to still play um, some with the, their, their G League team um, now that we're getting back to having a full 
um, G League season, um, as opposed to kind of the bubble last year with limited games. But um, it's just good for him that he's got some time to kind of really work on his game and develop, and I think he's a long-term play for the Raptors. With his uh, wingspan and athleticism, is he a guy that they may turn to to be kind of a defensive stopper? Is that a role you potentially foresee him having uh, with this long-term play? Yeah, I don't know about defensive stopper, but uh, in terms of being a team defensive guy, he's really good at creating defensive events um, and, and making plays happen. He's kind of racking up the steals and blocks, and he's a good defensive rebounder. So I don't know that he's a guy that you're going to to go out there and ask to, to lock up the other team's best scorer at any point. But he is a guy that, with his length, can get his hands in the passing lanes, can protect the rim a little bit, can clean the glass. Um, and I think he can fit into a good kind of a team defensive scheme here. Um, and, and he's showing all that so far in summer league. It's not the same thing as doing it against uh, real NBA players for the most part, but um, he, he's showing that he can impact the game in a lot of different ways. Jacob, what's your take on Isaiah Roby here with OKC? What's what's next for for Robes? Is, is he had a, a nice season last year? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to kind of see how it plays out this year. Um, last year, he kind of got uh, thrown into that role with uh, OKC essentially tanking and sitting down um, uh, Al Horford for, for the season kind of midway through. They did trade for Derek Favors, um, who's another kind of veteran uh, big man there at the center spot. They brought back Mike Muscala. Um, they still got um, Isaiah, obviously. They've got Darius Baisley, got Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, and then they drafted Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who isn't the same player as Isaiah, but is kind of similar as uh, kind of like playmaking combo four or five type. Um, so how their depth chart shakes out is going to be pretty interesting. But the fact that they did, uh, they kept him on the roster past the guarantee date on his contract means that, um, which was at the start of this month, means that they are interested in continuing to, to see what he can become and developing him and, um, he should be part of the rotation again this year. I don't know how many games he's going to start versus come off the bench. Um, that's, I, I can see OKC again this year kind of playing a lot of different lineups, getting a lot of different guys a chance to see what they can do, and I just expect Roby will, will be part of that. Jacob Adela is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Some updates there on Isaiah Roby and Delano Banton. You can find Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore reading with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Jacob Fall Camp uh, underway uh, week three, game week next week. Illinois looms. Your thoughts uh, specifically on special teams. Really enjoy your write-ups, man. Uh, and, and who are the candidates here? Let's let's take Cam Taylor Britt out of the equation. And and who could who could be another guy or two that that ignites that punt return game for Nebraska. I know there's been a lot of former Nebraska games on over uh, on BTN, and once in a while you'll see DeMornay Pearsonel uh, making somebody on the other sideline cry, <laughs> you know, putting a, putting a return together. And, man, I miss watching DPE uh, at Nebraska. I hope he does well in Denver. But uh, I know Cam Taylor-Britt's dynamic. He's athletic. He's fantastic. But who else uh, could, could help uh, lift uh, – some of that weight, who are some names, who are some guys you're intrigued by to help kind of really uh, put a spark into the return game? Yeah, I, I don't know that we can take um, Cam out of that conversation. I know it's 
that's always a discussion. Do you want to put your, your best, most important players on special teams and expose them to extra hits and extra injury um, opportunities? But I, I asked Mike Dawson about that yesterday, and he said oh, it's, it's kind of there's a lot of things they have to consider in that. And part of it is kind of, all right, how close is if Cam is the number one guy, how close is the number two guy? And is that gap narrow enough that it's worth going with the second guy to spare Cam um, kind of those extra reps, considering he's going to be one of your leaders and snaps played on defense and your number one corner. Um, so I, I, for whatever reason, Dawson uh, was hesitant to even name the guys that are working out at that group. Um, I don't know if that means that they, they've narrowed it down and they just don't want to publicly put those names out or if he's just, doesn't want to say give us any specifics whatsoever because um, I think he he got asked about it and then kind of was asked as a follow up and just didn't want to name any names at all so it was hard to know because um, last year it was they had three other guys return punts but none of them were really um, they each returned one punt a piece so it really they only returned nine punts last year so um, I, I don't know a, a guy that I have heard that is making an impression of a young guy um, as a returner um, is Kamani Grimes, a freshman wideout. Um, so that could be a guy that is looking to get on the field early. Um, but um, at this point, we're going to have to wait uh, and see uh, when Illinois rolls out and we get that, that first kickoff to, to see who uh, is back there waiting for the ball. What's your take on, on Nebraska their return game, kickoff and punt return. How far away is it, or is it is it unknown because it was so average or below last year? What, where is it at when it comes to being an advantage? Let's talk gap. You know, give me a number here. Ten means uh, it's Desmond Howard, Demonte uh, Pearson, L. Johnny Rogers money. Zero is Santino Pinico. There's our range. <laughs> Well, uh, the thing is, I don't even know how much it's about the returners as it is the guys in front of them. And um, that's because you, you look at it, like I said last year, Cam Taylor-Britt was one of the mm-hmm. best punt returners in the Big Ten, um, averaged over 13 yards a punt, but it was just six returns because most of the time they're fair catching um, because there just isn't the blocking to, to make it worth trying to return it. So that's going to be the bigger key, I think, than even – uh, on the uh, the kick returns, I think that's a bigger question in, in terms of finding a guy because Alante Brown um, just never really clicked for him, and the, uh, and then beyond him, there were just a few other guys that got one or two apiece. Um, Near Johnson, I think, uh, had three, and then Brody Belt had two returns, and that was it. They only had 15 kick returns last year too, and obviously we're only talking about eight games, but still, it's less than two a game. So it's not even so much finding the right returner, which. It's definitely important, and um, it's something that they're, they're hopefully um, are, are doing right now. Um, but it, it's more about the guys up front. And Barrett Rood called kickoff return blocking the, the, the toughest job in football because um, you're, you're up front there and you got these big these linebackers and defensive backs running at you full speed for 40 yards and you've got to find a way to, to slow them down without getting a penalty. And that's the tough moving target. So um, it, it's, I think it's much more about their blocking than it even is finding the next morning personnel or whoever it is. Um, that, that's going to be important. You've you got to have guys that can maximize the opportunities they're given. 
but I think Nebraska's got enough athletes that they should be able to find somebody that can do it adequately, uh, so long as they're given the opportunity. So that's kind of been the key, and I think that's that goes along with just the overall um, kind of theme of this camp and what, what they talked about with the, the special teams. It's, it's just really, really hammering down on the fundamentals and being more kind of hands-on uh, with that, with, with, the, with the finer details, um, because that's kind of where they're struggling as much as anything is um, blocking uh, on the return units and then kind of holding their, uh, holding their lanes and being in the right spots and making the tackle uh, on their coverage units. Um, so we're hopefully um, going to see some improvement in those areas, but it's, it really is an overall kind of unit-wide. Um, it, it's on the whole unit to, to make the improvements and not necessarily just finding a dynamic returner. It's uh, 11 guys. You're right on. Jacob Badilla is with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Badilla underscore on Twitter is where you find him. Jacob, last thought here, and uh, let's kind of get your, your feel on Noah Pola Gates. Know you had a chance to catch up with him. And was it pretty eye-opening for, for him and for you to kind of hear where he was at as, as he was thrown into some special teams work last year, just that transition from high school and, and really trying to contribute to, uh, in yeah. that phase of the, phase of the, the, of the program? Yeah, because this is a guy is one of the biggest gets in that recruiting class. He's a four-star recruit, um, kind of showed out in the All-Star game down there. And um, but he said basically when he when he got to Nebraska, he didn't know how to play football. He was he was essentially just coasting off his athleticism, his talent, and his drive. Um, he didn't from um, the, the details, the the all the finer um, points of the game. He didn't really know that stuff. And so when he got out there, he had never played special. He, he said he uh, did a little kickoff return in high school, but that was all he did uh, on special teams in high school. So that's kind of that, that freshman year. He came out and played two games on special teams before he got hurt, and that was his introduction to um, college football and to special teams. And he said uh, that Colorado game is the first one um, where he did that. And there were five uh, touchbacks. Uh, during that game on kickoff return, and that's where he was playing. The, the other one was in the fourth quarter. It was the Lavinska Chanel uh, 54-yard return, mm. and I believe it's hard to see. I went back and looked just to see, um, kind of based on what he was saying, but it looks like he was the first guy to the ball, and he kind of over-pursued, dove at the ankles, and Chanel was gone. And fortunately, Camp Taylor-Britt made up, a, made up the ground and popped the ball free from behind and got the fumble. But that was just kind of a moment that stuck out in his mind, like, okay, this, this is a little different than what I'm used to. Um, and obviously, Chenault's an NFL player right now. Um, so that, that's kind of uh, th- that on special teams. Then, then on defense, too, it's kind of the same deal in terms of knowing how to play at this level and everything that goes into it and understanding alignment and the, the defensive calls and everything that goes into playing safety. Uh, last year, he he became a key special team. He played in every game on those units um, and got in there for one defensive game. Um, and now he's kind of, I think, he feels a lot more confident in terms of where he is now in terms of knowing what he needs to do and how he has to play um, to see the field in the defense. Yeah, that's a great story from Jacob with Noah Pola Gates. Can log on hailvarsity.com. Subscribe. Uh, what a wonderful rate uh, to get your digital and your magazine. Uh, but great insight there. And 
That was a big play that, that Cam made to, to rip that football out on Chenault in uh, one of those classic Nebraska-Colorado matchups, the, the one that got away in Boulder. Jacob, awesome stuff, man. Thanks so much for catching up and talking some basketball with some Huskers in the NBA and, of course, uh, the, uh, the, the fall camp that continues on as we're closer to Illinois. Have a good rest of your week, bud. We'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. we got volleyball coming up. Oh, I know. I wish I had more time to do volleyball. We'll hit it next week, but appreciate you. Sounds good. There he is, Jacob Adilla and uh, Huskers and Coach Cook, number five. They're incredible. We'll check in with Coach Kaz. Rick Kaczynski's next to Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back here, Roadshow Tuesday, Hale Varsity Radio. Cunningham's on the lake just off the Interstate I-80. Uh, our friends out here in Kearney have it us here. We say hi to Rick Kaczynski, longtime coach at Nebraska and Iowa. A Tuesday with Kaz. Kaz, what's shaking, man? You got the eye black on? You, you ready for the year? <laughs> Not an eye black, Kaz, but uh, yes. Uh, ready to <laughs> yeah, really get this thing moving, man. So I think a lot of people are. Uh, yeah, this is the time of year you're ready to start uh, hitting somebody the opposite colored jersey of you and get back into the stadium and, and do all those good things that uh, college football is all about. I hear you. No, I, I was uh, not an eye black guy either. Now, Junior took it to uh, to an art form level for baseball, and it went from just uh, a little kind of stripe under each eye, eye to some sort of design on each cheek. And I just kind of shook my head, but it worked for him in the batter's box. So to, to each their own. Cats, yeah, it, better uh, work. Just... it better work or it's coming off. It's <laughs> <laughs> about right. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz, uh, what point uh, do you let guys just kind of let their frustrations out during a practice if there's a skirmish? And at what point do you step in? Because you, you hit the nail on the head. You get to the point in camp where – the grind is real, and you're taking it out on one another, and uh, and tempers flare. Uh, was there a, a three-second rule, a five-second rule, or sometimes just let them go? Nah, you never really want to let them go. Um, but I think like everything else, you can you can feel it building up, and coaches got to step in, especially because usually who it's building up between are, are two guys that you're that you're counting on. Usually they're pretty good players. You know, if a couple of slappies are going at it, you know, you just let them tire them, tire them out. But usually you don't see those guys. Usually it's the guys that have been battling against one another all camp. Um, but, you know, you just don't, you don't want, you don't want a silly injury to happen with that. So, you know, you get the jawing, you get all that. But most, most of the time it's just good competition. But you don't, you don't, you don't want to see, you don't want to see guys pushing guys in the back, hitting guys in the back, hitting guys after the play. Um, just that kind of BS. And like I used to tell my guys, don't <laughs> you're gonna throw a punch, punch the gut. Yeah, don't punch the shelf. Don't punch them. Don't punch them where they got pads or metal. So, uh, but that didn't happen a whole lot. So you know, as, as a coach, you just <laughs> heck yeah. Most of the time, you get the coaches going after each other way more than the players at this point. So you worry about the coaches more than the players. Players are too tired. So, so yeah, I just uh, yeah, Schmitty's just got to. Uh, it's just it's just part of it, John. All but but there just comes a point where you start to start to 
got to got to start meshing as a team. So I think this is this is this is that point. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So did did you did you jaw? And I'm sure it was all good after practice was over. But did you jaw? With Barney or Garrison, or do they jaw with you? Oh yeah, yeah no, I always, oh, I know yeah. you had your your, your guys is back, your D lines back. Oh, always. Oh, I always get after those two. You know, in pass rush, one on one, it was like an offensive. We went till they win, till they won. You know, you beat, <laughs> beat them like three times in a row, and it's like you're you're their scout team. And then, uh, you know, then they'd go on like three, just try. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Or you do nine on seven, which is the inside drill, and they're running mm-hmm. uh, they're running slant plays outside the uh, outside the tight end. So, yeah, yeah there's a few times I walked, took the D lineman, I told them, I just pulled them, <laughs> I just pulled them out of the drill, just to be a jerk because it's not inside drill. Yeah, they're running outside. Yeah, I want the guys playing box, run power, run ISO, run inside zone at me. So I say I'm not getting anything out of it. So I go, uh, I t- hey, my eight view lines, let's go. And then I turn around, tell Barney, I'm not a scout team. And <laughs> we'd yell at each other a little bit and, and laugh in the locker room. So. That's pretty good. Rick Kaczynski's with us. How about Coach Holtz? I mean, take me back to maybe a skirmish that happened uh, at Notre Dame. Did did Cold uh, did Coach Holtz uh, side with the defense or offense or did he just get nah. mad that that you're wasted his time? No, Coach Holtz. If you could help Coach Holtz with a football game, he didn't mess with you. So I can promise you that. So there wasn't uh, there wasn't there wasn't too many skirmishes there. To be honest with you, not a whole lot. Yeah, we got after it. We were too tired. He beat the hell out of us. Mm. So uh, he didn't have a whole lot of energy. <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot of energy. But there was there was one uh, there was a, 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 an incident between two young guys. It was pretty good, so they kept going at it. It was like the first first uh, first scrimmage that we'd have in camp, and you go in the stadium, and it was a big deal for us. And and then at the end, they just throw the freshman in to see what they got, and a couple guys kept going after it. So he called the whole team up and had them had them do about fifteen one on ones in a row and then mm. told them, okay, now you two can fight. <laughs> so, and then they're just Jeez. laying on each other. He's yelling at them to fight. But, but, uh, <laughs> Coach Holt, he, uh, there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot, to be honest with you. There wasn't a whole lot, but yeah, he, he, he jumped on, uh, he jumped on, uh, <laughs> he jumped on one of our offensive tackles back one time. He wouldn't get out of the huddle. So, yep, he screwed wow. up the play. Coach Holt told him to get out of the huddle. And uh, he wouldn't get out, so he jumped. <laughs> he jumped on his back, took him to the ground, and kicked him out of practice. And then it was funny. Our cat, one of our captains, Mark Edwards, went to Coach Holt third practice. The coach, I just don't think that right as a captain. You know, I, you know, Club was. He just wanted to stay in the huddle and have an opportunity. And Coach Holt said, "I tell you what, you can go join him and kick." <laughs> Kids Edwards out of practice, so, so so I wasn't the smartest guy to see, but had some street smarts. So I wouldn't. I was telling Coach Holt that was a great decision he made, kicking those two guys out of practice. I agree with him 100, percent and I did the same thing. So uh, 
But yeah, you know, it's uh, camp's funny, football's funny, and when you get 120 guys together, you get all kind of characters. That's I can just see Coach Holtz launching himself onto the back of probably a six-seven offensive tackle and finding a way to take down the giant. <laughs> Yo, know, it was it was hilarious. Wish they had it on tape. You probably get fired now for it in this day and age, the way people are, but. Uh, Back then, it was just part of a part of our daily routine. But yeah, it was it was it was funny. It was funny. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, I want to switch gears, and, and Illinois looms here uh, a little more than a week away, and a lot of years uh, at Iowa and at Nebraska, you guys squared off against a uh, uh, coach uh, Bielema led team. There's a little bit of unknown with uh, him taking over Illinois. But, you know, Brett's going to be physical. That's just kind of his brand. And, you know, what? as you look at this matchup here, what, what can you expect and how do you prep if you're Nebraska here with uh, a coach you have film on, but you don't have film on him with this group of kids with Illinois? Well, you know, a couple things. You, you, you know the personnel that he has. Um, and, and Brett's a guy that is going to build his team from the inside out. He's going to build it with the with the D line first and foremost, and, and same with the offensive line. So you know exactly what you're going to get uh, from there. I mean, he's he came up under Coach Fry, and then uh, and then Barry. Um, and you know he is what he is. He's not he's not going to drift too far from what he believes in and, and what made him successful. And he's a, he's a Big Ten guy. And Illinois' strength is their is their offensive line. So he's gonna he's gonna utilize that. You look at the running backs that that they had when he was at Wisconsin. So you know he didn't, he is a run oriented guy. Going to keep the game close. Um, you know he was special teams are. Or, or uh, you know, he talks about it's an advantage. That makes special teams an advantage. I mean, that's his philosophy. He's heavily, heavily, heavily involved in all special teams. Um, and everywhere he's been, he's he's um, he's had great special teams. Those Wisconsin teams, you know, they're they're just teams that didn't make uh, didn't make mistakes. Always kept the games close, and and then they pounced on you when you uh, you know when you stubbed your toe. So. I think what you're going to see is pretty much what what you saw um, when he was at Wisconsin. You know, run oriented team, play action, take a shot on you. You know, pound you, pound you, try to wear you down, and you know, take a shot with uh, with a post dig. So you know, two man routes, max protection, and then go from there. You think uh, a guy like Peters, who played and, and did well against Nebraska last year, managed well, made a few throws. You know, I look at him and I look at his pedigree and I look at, at Harbaugh grabbing him as, as a five-star and he's resurfaced here. You know, what's what's a, what's a guy like uh, Peter's ceiling as you look at uh, the guy that, that has that size, that arm strength, and it looks like all the physical tools. What type of year do you think he can do, he can have for, for Illinois? Is Illinois a team, just because it's year one, you think they're going to be lucky to, to snake out three or four wins? Or do you think they could could be decent out of the gate early? No, I think absolutely. They got an opportunity to be decent out of the gate. Um, just because, one, the experience. Got guys that have been playing a long time. And, and where they have the experience. Where they have the experience up front. 
and they have this experience at quarterback. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a team that I, I definitely think can, can win more than three, four games in, uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, you, Brett, if you look at Brett, others had Russell Wilson being there the one year. He never had a dynamic quarterback, but yet all of his quarterbacks were, were very efficient. All his quarterbacks, you know, secured the football. And, uh, you know, they didn't have a group of, uh, I wouldn't say dynamic receivers, but they always had one or two guys that no matter where you threw the ball, they were coming down with it. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of how he's looking and viewing and, and coaching, coaching Illinois. And uh, if you talk to Big Ten coaches, uh, you know, that place can be a gold mine. I think it's a really, really good job. Um, you know, Champaign isn't the greatest place, but Illinois has got really good football, heavily populated. If you can get kids to stay in state there, uh, you got an opportunity to, to, in my opinion, be a consistent, you know, eight, eight win football team in the, in the Big Ten. You know, that's just kind of my take. And, and I think it'd be a lot of coaches who coach in the Big Ten to take also, but. Absolutely, with uh, with an experienced quarterback, an experienced offensive line. I mean, they got a they got an NFL center playing for them. So you know, the the, the guys who who are captains of their position are are experienced guys that played a lot of football in the Big Ten. So anytime you get that, you know, you got a guy with Brett who's been in the Big Ten. He knows the Big Ten. He knows how to prepare for the Big Ten. Um, and when you have guys that played in those games, you know, that played in these openers, played in big games, you know, this is a big game, not just for Nebraska, a big game for Illinois, too. Rick Kaczynski with us, Hale Varsity Radio here at Cunningham's on the Lake, just off the interstate in Kearney. Uh, we'll continue on with Kaz. You're listening to Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at Cunningham's on the lake, here in Kearney off of Interstate 80, staring at a gorgeous lake, wonderful scene. Some more thoughts here as we talk Nebraska-Illinois with former Husker defensive line coach Rick Kaczynski. Brett's going to know how to temper those emotions. He's been in those situations. So it's not like... Hey, you got a brand new coach coming to a league he doesn't know anything about. It, you know, it's, it, this is old hat to Brett. So mm-hmm. they're definitely a team, in my opinion. You know, I don't think you're afraid of, but uh, you can't take them too lightly. That's for sure. But I, I believe they have the potential to uh, to do some decent things this year. And if he gets it going a little bit, man, look out. It'll be you can get that thing going there a little bit. So. You know, good football state of Illinois and and uh, you know, big population not too far up the uh, up the road in Chicago with a lot of players. Rick Kaczynski is joining us, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow here. Cunningham's Journal on the Lake here, staring out uh, at the water. Gorgeous uh, scenery and uh, a breeze just off the interstate roadshow here with our friends at ESPN, uh, the Superstation in Kearney, 1460-1550, Kearney Hastings, Grand Island. Rick Kaczynski joining us. Kaz, before we say goodbye, are you? it seems like coaches do a couple of things in their downtime, not every coach, but yeah, coaches either golf or they fish. And I know you're a, you're a classic car guy and you're a mafia aficionado, but were you a fishing guy or were you a golf no, guy? Or, or what did you do during the, the air quote downtime? Neither. Neither? Both too okay. slow and 
and I was terrible at both of them. So I grew up about literally 12 mile or 12 blocks from uh, from Lake Erie. Growing up, lived downtown, city of Erie. So I was a city boy. My front yard was 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 a sidewalk, and uh, so we weren't uh, we weren't outdoors and. And uh, yeah, golf. Just uh, I'm from the east side of Erie. That was a that was a west west side pastime. And by the time I got a little bit older and all my friends were playing, I was terrible at it. And just I had enough things in my life that frustrated me. I didn't need one more, so I just uh, <laughs> that was about it, man. You know, love baseball. I mean, in the summer, in the spring. I mean, that's. Anytime I went recruiting, no matter where I was, if, if uh, you know, I had any time at night, you know, went to went to a major league game, and that's why I always tried to find a few guys to recruit in San Francisco and Detroit every year. So, love watching baseball in those parks, and and um, you know, so you know, pretty much baseball and cutting grass, taking care of the cars, and. And uh, just hanging out, man. We'd go back to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time on the lake, but way more drinking than fishing. So, uh, <laughs> so that's what we did on the lake. I like things that go fast. So, so boats and, you know, boats and cars and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, that's that was that was our that was our downtime. But I tell you what, man. Nowadays with these coaches with transfer and. July visits. Um, you just you don't have you just don't have the downtime like you used to. Jazz, is it a big deal to you as we say goodbye to to have beer in uh, Memorial Stadium? That option for the fans. Do you care much? Ah, you know, I'm, I'm, hey, if, if they do it, great. If they don't, you know, they haven't done it. So obviously, it's not something that they need to do. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, folks want to get lathered up. They they know how to do it in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, uh, so you know, I, I just, uh, man, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have to study it a little bit more. Uh, I don't know what good, I don't know what bad comes out of it. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of indifferent. But I, I just think that, you know, most of the time, when you go to games and all that, you you don't see too many guys. You're not going to a football game or a sporting event to get drunk, but uh, be nice to uh, sit back, maybe have one or two. You know, watching some football. I think the only thing you'd have to worry about is is just kind of controlling, um, you know, <laughs> controlling the number uh, that people throw down and during uh, yeah. during four quarters. So. So, but yeah, just kind of indifferent. I know they had a little bit of dry run, um, you know, during the guard concert, and that would probably be a good indicator of, of issues or non-issues that uh, that would come with selling beer there. Rick Kaczynski, Kaz, uh, we'll check in next week because it's game week. Always love getting your, your your takes on things, man, and appreciate you making time for us, bud. Always, man. Appreciate you having me on. Rick Kaczynski with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Cunningham's by the lake. It is a gorgeous view as I stare out into the uh, the deck, kind of the uh, the arena area, and uh, marina rather. <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> bloodthirsty lions, marina. We uh, we welcome in Doug Duda, who is mocking me. Uh, the Doug and Daddy yeah. Show, of course, Hall of Fame broadcaster. And uh, partner in crime when we go to media days, <laughs> Doug. You're awesome. Thanks so much to the ESPN Superstation for for getting me landing out here, 
It's fantastic. Uh, I love Cunningham's. Love going downtown. We got to rock the the post Boulder show in 19 from the downtown location now out here on the lake at Cunningham's. Fantastic, uh, beautiful setup. Tell me, man, how, how cranked up are folks for football? Get that same kind of response. Hey, are you ready for football? I always say when it, gets, when it gets here, I'll be ready. And we're getting closer because there's a handful of high school games this week. The Huskers getting to start a week early. I'll be interested to see how the, how that fits in on the national scene here. But And with it not it's being a it. home game. It's it. And without being a home game. Usually you get usually the Huskers' first game is at home almost yeah. all the time, so that's where you get the cranked up. Uh, so we'll see because, boy, and I don't think they Trying will. to rope you into Illinois. Yeah. It, it, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> Trying to rope. Duda, want to go to Illinois? Yeah, we didn't no. Know. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. How sad is that? How was, how was Kansas City? How was Garth? How was golf? Uh, all good. Uh, the Royals didn't score, though. Uh, the Royals were in the midst of doing what they do, you know, win a bunch, then lose a bunch, and then lose a bunch more, and then win a few. Uh-huh. I mean, as soon as you start talking about them having the best record coming out of the All-Star break. <laughs> so, but it was the Cardinals. It was cool atmosphere. Hadn't been down there, uh, obviously, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Uh, Garth, I'd go again tonight. Sure you would. I mean, and everybody loved it. I mean, did you hear anybody say one bad word about it? No, they, they absolutely adored it. I, di- I didn't go, like me and... And they will sell beer at Memorial Stadium sooner than you think. I think so, too. There, there's no doubt about it. It just... I, I, Trev, I go back Trev to nailed it today with yeah. the infrastructure discussion yeah. at the, the country club. Yeah, we need better infrastructure. At the College World Series, they're not having problems. Nebraska is going to be fine. Well, I mean, I, I need uh, a crazy rich uncle to leave me a trust fund number to if I want to go get blasted at a, at a football game you gotta do it before well and, right because it's 12.50 for a freaking water in kansas city well no kidding and, and it was 10 bucks a can of beer it wasn't a big deal you know what if you didn't want to pay it don't drink it well but you need it <laughs> yeah, yeah i need it you, well you need, yeah. there's a lot of people that went to that concert that didn't need anything so. no they uh they they were in uh, well it was it was uh it, it was rare form time you get sundresses and cowboy boots and all the beautiful people in Nebraska, man, it was wonderful. Uh, Doug was not wearing a sundress nor cowboy boots. I didn't try to be a fake cowboy. Like no, I, I, no, I'm, I don't own a hat, and uh, yeah, I don't have boots either. So I, I stayed away from that, but I do tip my cap to uh, to those who showed out for Garth. Uh, Doug Duda here for a few more minutes here at Cunningham's on the Lake Hale Varsity, winding out a road show Tuesday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's a road show Tuesday, Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to our friends, the ESPN Superstation, 1460, 1550, and uh, 92.1 and 92.7. Cartier Sings, Red Island. Doug Duda with us from Doug and Daddy. Uh, good stuff from Coach Kaczynski, Jacob Padilla, and Mitch Sherman. Reminder to buckle up, 70% of fatal crashes in Nebraska. People aren't wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Big props to 
Will Wilson and his jump shot for uh, taking care of us today. Rick Pizzo tomorrow. Uh, Shuey will be with us. And uh, we'll have plenty to, to talk about here as we're winding down fall camp, Doug, with, uh, with Coach Lubick tomorrow as he'll meet the media and uh, probably a few other players. So we'll drill down on that. But uh, we'll, we'll get into tomorrow Ohio State or the field with some of the, the betting odds that are out there. You just roll your eyes at me. You Don't keep bet on... against the Patriots, brother. No, you, you can't. So that's what you do. And still last year. Last time we talked. Has your opinion changed about how this Illinois thing is going to play out and where Nebraska football is now that we're just a week and a half away? Are you still worried about next Saturday? I'm, I'm, I'm worried if, yes, I'm worried if it goes sideways. They, they've found a way to come back uh, in a game that turned into a shootout, right, against Illinois, 42-38. They, they've done that before. I just know that I think they expect more out of themselves this year. I think they want to get off on the right foot, and I think it's pretty unanimous where they, they've got to have this thing. Otherwise, the toxicity level is going to be through the roof, and it, it gets that way anyway, but it, it's, it's going to go from bad to DEFCON 2 <laughs> if they don't win. So, no, it's, it's, it's imperative they go kill it. And what I'm kind of concerned about here is, I know he's just one guy, but what's the status of Okalek if you want to implore another guy that can really mash on the on the edge? So we'll see. I mean, the other thing too is, I mean, Bielema is good dude, right? We have we've had fun interviewing him over the years, but he's he's not the greatest coach, but he is going to try and beat the hell out of you, right? Can Nebraska match their physicality because Nebraska's been out physicaled? On a, on a on a big scale by Illinois, two of the last three years. Illinois isn't a physical team. That's not what Lovey Smith put together. You can't just invent physicalness in but, six but, months. But they but they were. I mean, they were always physical against Nebraska. Well, okay, <laughs> come on. No, well, you, okay. So your point's well taken. That yeah, Nebraska needed up their game physicality-wise. I think they have, but I think it can be a really. I think it goes two ways. I think it's either it's going to be a nail biter where maybe you get nipped in the end or the Nebraska drops a nuke on them. I mean, that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Ten days till kickoff, 11 days till kickoff. Nebraska comes out. They're fired up. They're taking on a team that's it's, it's game one under new coach, and they're, they're scrambling, and they're not, as, they're not as talented. Or Nebraska continues to be Nebraska with miscues, and Illinois takes advantage, and there you are. One of the interesting simulations 100 times, it's like 26 to 6 is supposed to be the final score in Nebraska after simulated like a hundred so times. So they absolutely cover the number. Yes. They win by 20. And, and, yeah, and it's an under. Because <laughs> what, it's 55 and a half yeah. for the over? It's not even close. 26-6. That's, that's, that's research. I don't think our defense is going to allow them more than one offensive touchdown to help it, we it, make it, those it, mistakes. Well, special know. teams, though, right? Well, special teams turnovers. No, I get you. I get you. Well, we are winding down here uh, on Hale Varsity Radio. Will's like saying, shut up, old man, and get out. Thanks to the folks here at Cunningham's. Thanks to Doug Duda. Thanks to Will Wilson. Back tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity.